You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast live on the Chronicle NUFC Facebook, YouTube and Twitter accounts and later on our podcast channel. Thank you very much for tuning in. I'm Andrew Musgrove, joined by Newcastle United editor Aaron Stokes. Last week's episode was with Matt Ketchell and Kieran Kelly, but we're back after a break. Not together, I might add. Aaron was uh, down in Glastonbury watching the likes of Paul McCartney, amongst others. How was it? Yeah, very good, very hot, uh, caught the sun a bit too much, but yeah, it was very good, enjoyed it. He actually looks more tanned after a few days in Glastonbury than he did when he was away in Cyprus or Greece or wherever it was a few weeks back. Um, it did look very entertaining to say the least, but we're here to talk about Newcastle United and plenty has gone on over the last week since the last episode of the, the live Q&As that we do. And we're going to start with a discussion on Zven Botman. His arrival finally confirmed by Newcastle United, the giant centre-back signing from Lille, the Dutch under-21 international with a view to him getting into the World Cup squad. So Newcastle fans will be hoping that he plays his way into the World Cup picture for Holland. But Aaron, just on that signing and what a statement this is, how big of a coup is it for Newcastle to have Botman amongst the ranks? Yeah, it's a huge deal. I think everyone knew the significance of it in the last couple of months when they were chasing him. You know, it was highly reported about AC Milan's interest and it looked for a while that, you know, they were going to beat Newcastle at the deal. It's a very good job for the club that they haven't. Um, Big statement signing, 22 years old, highly rated across Europe, thought of very highly from anybody you speak to about him and a player that's definitely got a big future. So... Um, an exciting deal and, and one that really sort of lays down a marker for this window, I think. Do you think this could be like the kind of domino signing where they see someone of Botman's arrival, someone of Botman's stature coming in and then other players who maybe weren't 100% sold on the project of coming to Newcastle United this early on in the project will look at that and say, well, if Botman is signed, one of the, the best centre-backs in Europe alongside Bruno Gummeresh, one of the best centre midfielders in Europe, then yeah, maybe this is the project that I want to be part of. Yeah, definitely. And look, we've said it a lot since January that the likes of Trippier and Bruno coming in will probably make it, you know, a snowball effect to sort of attract higher quality players. I think Botman's the exact same. I think other players that maybe are wavering a bit, oh, should I go to Newcastle? Is it a backward step? Is it the right move? They're probably going to be looking at the signings that they're making. Even Nick Pope, um, you know, an England international experienced player who's who's taken the plunge to go. Um, it's only going to do more to sort of attract Newcastle and make them more, a, more of an attractive proposition to players who might not be sort of familiar with the club if they're playing abroad and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, huge signing. And I think it will have a domino effect across the summer. What, what sort of project do you think he's been sold? What What is the, that, it, that you think has persuaded him to come and join Newcastle at this stage in his career? Look, I think Dan Ashworth will have, will have said to him that it's a good, not sort of a stepping stone, but it's a good um, 
you know, next step in his career, 22 years old, if he's sort of been thrown at the lines, then that would have been Milan in the Champions League and back for a title. Though, you know, you don't know how he was going to react. I think at Newcastle, it's uh, very much the proposition is come here, you know, sort of get in on the ground floor of this new project, like Trippier sort of did it in January and sort of become a legend at the club. Yes, Champions League football isn't there at the moment, but, you know, the owners want that. Um, and I think they'll be sell- selling that the players that in a couple of years' time, this is what you'll be achieving, um, even if it's not immediate. So, look, there's there's plenty of positives to Newcastle. Um, it, it's no surprise that they beat Milan, I think, despite the lack of Champions League football and, and their league table last season. I think it's still a very proposition, sort of a very nice proposition for players to, uh, that are being offered it. So, um, so yeah, big deal and, and, and one that I'm glad that they got over the line. Um, Graham Morton there asks is Botman considered as a marquee sign or will there be so on with a higher profile yet to come in it's interesting because I guess that goes down to how you would define marquee he's certainly a sign that is a big big statement because Newcastle and in the statement the, the, the first kind of round of statements Newcastle released it made it clear They've, you know, they've they've beaten a lot of top European sides to this statement, so they were shouting that from the rooftops. Um, in terms of a, a big name, you know, if Newcastle do go out and sign, for for example, Donald Calvin Lewin, people would argue, well, that is probably a bigger name than Sven Botman. I guess it all comes down to to the definition. I think it all depends what they do in the next couple of months. I think football fans, by nature, will see a big striker coming in. You know sort of as a bigger and better signing than a central defender, but I don't think we can underestimate what Botman's going to bring. You know, he's a... Yes, he's only 22, but he's had some fantastic seasons in France. Came through the Ajax um, youth system. Gained a lot of games in a short amount of time. Um, and as we say, you know, the track record speaks for itself. He's won, you know, the French League title and so many people and so many teams wanted him this summer. So, look, I think... We're all expecting a big attack inside to come in at least one by the end of the summer. Um, it's no secret that how once you know either another strike or another winger before the the window's over. But in terms of how big this signing is, it's huge and it's going to improve Newcastle at the back um, immensely. Some quotes here from Sven Botman, a sport witness. He says, "Ultimately, Newcastle's uh, a great project in combination with playing in the Premier League." was the deciding factor. That last one has been a dream my whole life. AC Milan also gave me a good feeling, but Newcastle felt just a little better in the end. I really wanted to go to Newcastle in January because I also heard, and that's cliche, I know that uh, a train like this doesn't pass by very often, but clubs couldn't, but the clubs couldn't figure it out. And afterwards, this might be better because I can now experience a lot of preparation and I was able to say goodbye to Lille in a beautiful way. The club deserved that. And I guess what he's referring to there is the pre-season. We all know this is Eddie Howe's first full pre-season as well. So it's important that Eddie Howe gets the time to work with these these new players before the season kicks off. And it's something there that Botman's alluded to as well. Yeah, I mean, we've said it a lot of times on this podcast that how wants the business done quickly, wants to bulk the squad um, in and sort of with training with the team before you know they fly out to Austria and they go to Portugal later in the month. So to get the deal done, you know, before July it even came round as an, as an added bonus to bringing Botman in. Um, look, I think Botman's comments, not just the last week, but I think also in January show that he was keen on the move. You know, he came out after the 
winter window and said that you know Newcastle on the table are a very exciting project. Stavely, you know, took a gamble really by saying we wanted Botman and Botman still wants to come. That could have easily blown up had he went to Milan this summer. Um, but yeah, positive comments from him. Um, and very good to see that he's going to be joining up the squad in the next couple of days once he's finished his holiday um, and getting up to speed with the with the English game as soon as he can. We've got a few comments from our viewers who are watching live on Facebook. One here from Ronnie McKenzie and he asks, any news about who's been moved out to make room? Um, not as of yet, but you know there will undoubtedly be outgoings you can see. Dwight Gale getting shipped out. If you're a championship club aiming for Premier League football, you'll pay 10, 12 million for him because you know he pretty much guarantees you goals. Carl Darlow is a very capable Premier League player, let alone you know championship player. And in terms of defence, I, I think we've covered it several times on, on, on the podcast. But for me, I, you can see Kieran Clark leaving Federico Fernandez as well. And if someone comes in with a big bid for Jamal Lascelles, Although I do think he will probably stay, you know, it wouldn't be surprised to see him maybe head out the door. Yeah, definitely. I think the word come out of the club is that they're struggling at the minute for offers. You know, I think a lot of us thought that we'd be sitting here on the fourth of July with one or two more moved out. You know, the likes of Gale um, and other sort of fringe players that weren't really given a chance under Howe in the second half of the season. I think Andrew's hit the nail on the head there. I think the likes of Gale will be snapped up by a championship club. I think Steve Bruce will fancy taking a couple of. Um, the squad players down at West Brom if he can convince them to, to sort of make the move um, but look there's about 34 players registered in that squad now um, they've got the first game on Saturday against Gateshead behind closed doors you'd imagine I mean it's probably going to be more like a training session but you'd imagine he'll have um, 22 players you know 11 in the first half 11 in the second half that's given a you know a good bulk of them the chance to show that they're worth and a lot of players coming back from you know, being on loan, the likes of Matty Longstaff, hmm. Elliot Anderson, who who are sort of the younger players in the squad. Um, but look, it's imperative to get some some of those older players moved off the books um, to make room for the signings that they want to make in the next couple of weeks. And do you think there's a genuine chance for the likes of, of Matty Longstaff, for the likes of um, Elliot Anderson, to really seize the opportunity during this pre-season or do you think it's a little bit of you know it, it, it's just words to a certain extent and you know it's it's 90% likely Elliot Anderson will head out on loan or do you think if if Anderson you know genuinely does impress over the next few months we, we could see him in and around the, the starting 11? Yeah look I don't see any reason why not I think Howe's said numerous times that he'll be given the summer to show that he's worth and I, and I, I don't feel like that's him just saying that to keep the player happy and to sort of keep fans on side. I, I generally do think players like Anderson, players like Lucas De Ball and um, Jay Turner-Kruk that are coming up from the um, reserve side that have been training with the first team last week, I think they generally will be given a chance. Um, look, if you had to ask me now what will happen with Anderson, I think he will be moved out on loan purely because of, you know, look, he's only had six months at, at Bristol Rovers where he really impressed. Maybe a championship loan would be the best thing for him, but... A lot of those players will have went back on Friday and thought, right, this is my chance. I've got a couple of weeks. I've probably got a month to show that, you know, I can be in house plans. Um, and I don't see any reason why Matty Longstaff and, and those sort of players of that ilk uh, can't seize this opportunity. It's certainly going to be an interesting one to watch. And um, plenty of people asking in the comments about other potential arrivals. But before we do that, just quickly discuss Nick Pope's arrival. Uh, one that happened very, very quickly. A very good 
goalkeeper. Obviously, he's going to be wanting to be part of that England squad for the World Cup in the winter. Yes, he got relegated with Burnley, but as we've seen with the likes of Callum Wilson, just because you get relegated doesn't mean you're a bad player. It just means, unfortunately, the team you win didn't quite pull it off. What do you make of Nick Pope's arrival? Yeah, very good addition. I think a no-brainer, really, when you think you know Burnley went down there were they're having a few financial issues and they needed to sell. I think it was a good bit of business from Newcastle to pick up Pope for a fee of around ten million. Um added some much needed competition. Look, I don't think anyone would um have anything bad to say about Martin Dubravka, but instead of having Dubravka and Dolan now you've got two keepers where generally I don't know who's going to be starting on the first game of the season. And I think if you pulled it with Newcastle fans, I think it would be pretty split as to Half of them will probably want to see Nick Pope in there. I do think it's one of those... We, we can often have these debates, you know, if it's between Chris Wood and Callum Wilson, who starts if everyone's fit? You say Callum Wilson straight away. If it's between Kieran Trippier and Emil Kraft, you say Kieran Trippier straight away. But here what we've got are two quality goalkeepers, probably, you know, ability-wise on the same level. Some might argue Nick Pope's slightly better, but I don't think it's a... You know, to, to guarantee that he's going to start um, on the first day of the season. I think what it will come down to is who has the better pre-season. And I think at the moment they go in level peg, and I don't think Eddie Howe will have offered any assurances to Nick Pope about uh, you know a first-team place. Uh, yes, Nick in Pope probably would, would have liked that given the World Cup's just around the corner. But I think it will come down to who has the best pre-season and it will be as simple as that because I think you have two quality goalkeepers but I don't think one is necessarily all that better than the other. Yeah, neither do I. I generally feel like you could put any of them in between the sticks on the first date, not Forrest and that. I generally do not think you could complain with either. I think I agree how we'll give them the pre-season. They'll both probably get an equal amount of time to show what they can do. For me personally, and this is like I say, my own personal opinion, I'd like to see Dubravka keep the spot. I don't think he's done anything to warrant being dropped despite Pope coming in. He's been a terrific servant. He was he was fantastic at points last season. But I think in the long run, I think we could be sat here in 12 months' time with Nick Pope being the out-and-out out number one. Dubravka maybe being moved on. Um, but like I say, I think that, that is probably for a couple of months down the road at least. But how refreshing is it that Newcastle United in a position and not just in the goalkeeping department but in, in quite a few positions have got not just bodies but they've got quality options you know Nick Pope is an England international Martin Dubravka is a top quality Premier League goalkeeper you have two really good goalkeepers there fighting for the number one spot and it's so refreshing to be able to say that it's so refreshing to be able to say that about the centre midfield positions of Newcastle as well and, and that will continue we would like to think as the summer transfer window goes on as you know, transfer windows go on after that that they are bringing in quality players and not just additions that add numbers to the squad yeah definitely I mean look it's it's it should be part and parcel of every single Premier League club or every single half ambitious Premier League club to have two um, you know sort of top quality additions in every position um, it just goes to show sort of the neglect under Mike Ashley that, that we haven't had that for so long and how everybody feels so refreshed by, you know, uh, another number one coming in. Um, Eddie Howe did say on Friday, you know, he spoke to the media and said that um, with the demands that the Premier League are, are going to, you know, what the Premier League season is going to put on the players this season with the World Cup and the added sort of um, hectic sort of schedule of fixtures, that he wants two players of sort of similar quality in every position. And I think 
they're not done in this window. You know, they are going to bring in attacking options. I wouldn't even be surprised if they did bring another midfielder. Um, and by the time this, you know, the summer ends, we're going to be sat here thinking there's so much depth here. You could probably have two 11s, um, you know, give or take probably a couple of positions. So yeah, look, it's a fantastic position to be in. Um, it's just a shame that we've had to wait, you know, for sort of 15 years for it. An absolute bargain as well. You know, the, 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 the reported price tag for, for Nick Pope given his experience and like we say in England at National I think that's a really another really good bit of business from Newcastle United um, Roger Cook there saying nothing against Dubravka I just think that Pope in an overall package is a safer number one we've also got uh, Mark Evans above asking about uh, left back cover and he's asking who would come in and, and cover Matt Target he points out that it looks like Jamal Lewis might come in um, back in from the fold I think it's a, it's an interesting one. He does say right back there, but he does correct himself later on in the in another comment. It, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because obviously Matt Target's been brought in as the number one option, but when you look across social media and the fan base, it, you know a lot of people are, are really willing Jamal Lewis on to to make something of his Newcastle United career. I hope he does. I think you've got the right manager there and the right staff, Jason Tindall and, and, and as well, to, to put an arm around Jamal and just say, and just help him on to, to the level we know he can be at. There was a reason Liverpool wanted him. There was a reason Newcastle splashed £15 million on him because he's a good sort of left-back. It just hasn't worked out for him, but I don't think you can write him off. I think with the leaders as well in the dressing room, Trippier, Target, Callum Wilson, I think there's a good bunch of people there good elements where we might yet see the best of Jamal Lewis in a black and white shirt. Yeah, I hope so. And and it's unusual to see because, you know, a lot of times your castle players come in, there's lots of hype around them, don't do well and they're shipped off so easily. But I, I like you say, there's a lot of sort of, there's a lot of support for Lewis. A lot of fans want to see him given a go and I think he will be. I think the fact that he hasn't sort of left as Isaac Hayden has straight away. He didn't leave in January when everybody thought he was going to after being left out of the 25-man squad. I think he will have a part to play this season, even if he starts as a backup to Matt Target. Um, but look, they, you know, um, Mark asked there about the left-back position. They've got a lot of cover in that left-back. You've got Matt Target, you've got Jamal Lewis, Paul Dummett signed a new deal. And then, you know, people forget that Matt Ritchie, Six months ago, before Target came in, he was playing left back every week. So wasn't very good, though, but, was he? But you say that, but was he? If Matt but, Target hadn't came in in January, right, and Matt Ritchie'd still been playing at left back, I, I think that would have been fine. I, I like Matt Ritchie. I think going forward, he offers he offers a lot. He's a good chance creator. He does, but he got good caught out. Pieces. At the back, you could see you could see that it wasn't his natural position, and you could see that's where you know they were being targeted down that flank because he just couldn't defend, and you you could often see him kicking the floor as the player ran in to to, to set the ball in the back of the net, and you know I recorded an episode of the Let's Talk About mini series which will go out on Thursday, all about St James's Park, but in that uh, John Gibson made the point that we're now at the stage where players who did a decent enough job. A year ago, 18 months ago, Isaac Hayden, for example, mm. are now no longer at the level Newcastle's owners and Newcastle and the Newcastle manager are targeting. And that maybe Newcastle United fans expect. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think along with the topic on should Newcastle relocate or redevelop the stadium, you know, the owners are going to have to get ruthless and there's going to be some tough decisions to be made. And it's that old cliche, there's no, there's no room in football for sentiment. And unfortunately, people like Matt Ritchie 
might be the first ones to suffer because as good a servant as he has been, he failed him when called upon. I think we have to be honest and say as a left back, he just wasn't good enough. Yes, take that passion. And I wish every Newcastle United player had that passion and effort of Matt Ritchie because he'd have a very good, passionate Newcastle United side. But unfortunately, as a left back, he just didn't cut it for me. Mm, I, I think if if Matt Target was injured and Lewis was struggling for fitness, I think you could throw Matt Ritchie back in there. I generally do. I generally did rate Ritchie last season. I get what you mean, though, the wider point that players of his ilk and talent that have been fantastic servants for the club, they will need to be shifted on. Look, I'm not saying for one minute that Matt Ritchie is the answer and that he should be starting over Target. What I just want to say is, is that my, my general point was that, you know, Howe's got a lot of options mm. at defence now. He's got a lot of options at fullback. Um, the addition of Botman, plus if you know if he keeps the lights of Lascelles, he's got a lot of options at centre back, um, and they're looking a lot stronger than they did six months ago. Yeah, we talk about the right back there. Someone's just mentioned, you know, Kieran Trippy has played left back for England. There's another potential option. Uh, Emil Kraft, I think, did enough last season to to say I can be, you know, the backup option to Kieran Trippy. But it, it all comes down to again, I suppose. Once Newcastle get their priorities in this window, so we say a striker, potentially a winger to come in next, do they then look around and if the right left back, the right right back comes up and is available, do you then say, okay, goodbye, uh, um, Javier Manquillo, goodbye, Jamal Lewis, you know, in comes, I'm not, I don't know, X, Y, Z, but someone who's maybe just that next level up, who, who like we've got in the goalkeeping department, really starts to push that number one choice, i.e. starts to push Matt Target to an even higher level. Yeah, I think so. Look, we know where the priorities are. We know that they're at the negotiation table now looking for attacking players. Um, as we've said, the striker, is, is you know, feels like a must. They want a winger. I wouldn't be surprised if they brought another top-class midfielder in if one came up, If like you say, if one came's available. And I've got no doubt that they would do that with the fullbacks in the central defence as well. But I think it's very low on the priority list. I think what they're looking at now, look, yes, we're only on July 4, but the window will will fly past in an instance. Um, and I don't think they'll want to be sat there in September thinking, we, you know, we really should have signed another attacking player. But look, yeah, 100%. I'm trying to think one off the top of my head, but let's just say a, a second or third choice right back came available. You could easily say them saying, let's bring him in as backup for Trippier. Mankio goes out, Kraft drops down a place. I don't think, I, I think even though there's been lots of talk about the budget, I think they would happily do that this summer. Hmm. Just before we move on to that, talking about Tielemans and Diaby, just to remind her to please like and follow the podcast through your podcast provider. Totally free to do. Just means with every new episode we upload, you'll get a notification to say it's ready to download and listen to and leave us a rating and review if you get the chance as well. Plenty of good content on the podcast channel. We've got an episode of Gibbo's Corner where you uh, can hear John's top 10 Newcastle United captains and get the chance to reorder his uh, top 10. We have an episode of Let's Talk About Jamal LaSalle's where myself and Gibbo talk about the future of Jamal LaSalle's. Will he be Newcastle United captain? Will he even be here come the start of the new season? It'd be great to hear your thoughts on that and plenty of stuff over on chroniclelive.co.uk as well. Let's get on to then the latest rumours and gossip. Uh, obviously with Newcastle United, uh, the, the rumours and gossip were always out there but given the takeover they seem to have gone up a level and the latest one is Yuri Tillman's the Leicester City midfielder now it wasn't too long ago he was linked to the likes of Manchester United to Arsenal he's a very good player 
And it's an interesting one because I, I just can't see where he fits in. He's a quality player, but I don't think Newcastle United are kind of in the market of just buying up every quality player because someone's come available, someone's hinted they might be willing to come here. I think there's a strategy and there's an approach to, to the transfer market as a whole where the player has to fit in. It's not just a case, oh, he's available, let's go and get him. Yeah, definitely. And I think on, on the point of Thielmans, look, he'd be a fantastic player. I, I've no doubt he would walk into a lot of teams in the Premier League. Um, and the price that's being sort of thrown around from £25 million would feel like bargain. But I agree, that midfield is packed at the minute. They're looking at other options. Is it a case of, oh, well, he's being linked, we need to get him? I don't I don't think it is. Um, had Bruno not signed in January, you'd be thinking, yeah, maybe. Had Jolinton not been such a revelation, you'd think maybe. Look, if if you said to me tomorrow, look, Newcastle are going to sign Thielmans, I would snap your hand off. But I, I get what you mean. That is it a priority? I don't think it is. Um, we know Newcastle are interested. They've been interested ever since. Um, the takeover happened. Leicester, for some reason, you know, can't time down a new deal. He spoke before about one in Champions League football, which would maybe be a hindrance if Newcastle wanted to buy him. Um, but a fantastic player. But again, I feel like we're, we're a month into this window and I don't feel like a midfielder's on, you know, it's not top, the top list. of the list, is it? And the other one is, is Musa Diab. We know Newcastle are interested in him, but a little bit like Lille and Rams with Akertier, they are playing a little bit of hardball with the cash. You know, there is this perceived notion that Newcastle is, is the wealthiest club in the world and they've got an endless pot of cash to spend. I've, I've been impressed with Newcastle because they haven't been held to ransom and they've they've gone about their business um, with, you know, relatively tight purse strings in many ways, you know, and they've not paid what's been demanded necessarily. It's going to be interesting to see how this one pans out. He's, you know, clearly a very talented player, but he's also previously said he wants Champions League football. So, once again, it's going to have to be a really big sell to get this guy over the line, unless, you know, they offer him a big wage and, and that's what he's tempted by. Yeah, I mean, you know, Newcastle are interested in they're, they're in negotiations with Leverkusen. They've been for a while. You know, the last we heard that the price was just a bit too high, but it's interesting to see that Leverkusen, have, they've been playing hardball, but they've softened their stance ever so slightly. They've just said, we're just going to leave the door slightly more open than it was. They spent all the start of the summer saying... He's not for sale. We want to keep our best players. They tied down Patrick Schick. They've signed Adam Hlozek, who's you know a highly rated uh, midfielder. But last week, when Simon Rolfs, the sporting doctor, came out, he said, "We want to keep him, but look, we know what we're going to have to sell him one day." And I just thought, "That's a big change from you're not going to sell him at all." So we know, you know, we know Newcastle are still around the negotiating table for him. There's been a lot of talk about the budget and look, Newcastle have already spent about 50 million, give or take, already this summer on those three defensive players. Um, there's been a lot of talk that there's only sort of 60, 70 million to spend this summer. I think, you know, they are going to have to push that a bit. I think we will probably see by the time September comes around, I think we'll have seen about 100 million spent altogether, um, if not a bit more. So, I'll look, I've said numerous times on this podcast, I would love to see Musa Diaby. He's a fantastic player. He would he would elevate this team to a completely different level. Um, it just sort of depends, I think, how how far they want to loosen the purse strings this summer. And on Ekatike, we know Newcastle like him. They thought they had a deal, or they did have a deal, agree, but it seems to be uh, someone somewhere is asking for a little bit more 
Cash. I my gut tells me that I think this one stars a little bit left to run just simply because the deal kind of was there. And I think sooner rather than later someone somewhere will realise that actually this is probably, you know, the train to get upon. And I think it'll just be you know, Newcastle can wait and if it doesn't come off, they'll move to another target. And if it comes off, then they potentially have one of the best strikers, yeah, or you know, young strikers with a, with a massive potential, you know, in their squad. Um, so I think it's just one to, to 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 wait and see how it pans out. But I don't think it's it's I don't think it, it's totally dead. And I think there's still a little bit left to run. It feels like Etiquette's gamble this summer, hasn't he? He's, he's his agents have tried to use Newcastle as a you know sort of a stepping stone to say, look, Newcastle are in and it's nearly done. If you want. Ekatika, you're going to have to bid now and sort of PSG and Dortmund and other massive clubs that have been linked with them haven't sort of taken the bait which now means you've, you're thinking Ekatika has got to decide right well do I take this Newcastle gig or do I have to sort of spend another season at Rems which apparently according to their manager Oscar Garcia he's happy to do um, but I agree with you I, I don't think the door's completely closed on it um, it feels like it's a saga that's just never going to end we had it all through January we've had it all this summer Um if I'm honest, I think I would prefer him just to say I'm not coming or I'm coming because it is dragging on too far. Um, but you've said you know, these Newcastle owners, you know, they aren't going to pay over the odds and they also aren't going to be taken for fools. And I think there's been a lot of talk, um, you know, from the club that they're getting a bit frustrated with it. Maybe their patience is running out a bit. So maybe this gamble by it hasn't, hasn't paid off, but it's an interesting one, but I, I don't think it's done by any means. And for me, even if it was really simple and they got they'd already got the deal sorted, I still think they need another striker. We hope Callum Wilson remains fit, but they still need another striker of Premier League experience or at least someone who's very very prolific in Europe. That's not going to be cheap. It's not going to be easy to come by. Do you think Newcastle, given the circumstances over at are they moving on and they've got someone else in mind now that they will be looking around and think, well, who who else can we get in? Yeah, I think, you know, we've known for a while, we've, we've reported on it here at the Chronicle that, um, you know, they don't just have one sort of player for each position that they're looking at. They do have a couple of options and we've already seen in the, in the last couple of days they've been linked with a couple of other French youngsters, one who plays for so sure. Um And I think just in terms of a number nine, you know, as well as Wilson played last season, um the likes of Carvert Lewin, you know, they're still in talks for him. They've, there's a lot of talk about Brogia, um, who it looks like will potentially go to West Ham rather than Newcastle. But I think they will end up paying quite a big outlay on a striker this season, uh, this summer. Sorry, Carvert Lewin at sixty million is probably just out their price range. But I think if they can negotiate that down, you know, we've seen him with Charleston go um, for sixty million, give or take. That probably takes a little bit of pressure off Everton to recoup that cash. On the other hand, it means that they probably want to keep Calvert-Lewin so that they don't lose the two of them. But um, I think they'll spend a big amount of money on a striker this season. I think it was always their goal to get a, a big attacker in. Is that um, is that in case, you know, let's say that the deal for uh, Katia does go through? Oh, I think, then, yeah. Then, then it's him and then looking on loan? Or do you think it's him and, and another striker to come in? I, I think f- from from what we've been told from the club, you know, Katia is seen as this sort of prospect for the future. Um, it's a lot of money for a prospect, isn't it? But you know what I mean. He, he's so highly rated, he, and and I don't think he's an out-and-out striker. Um, but look, I mean, we could get to August, and there could be a couple of loan deals that pop up. 
Um, but I think Ekatik is one for the future that's going to play off the right or play off the left. They're still going to want to go score and striker this season. Yes, Ekatik did fantastic in France last season, but he's so raw. He's only had half a season to break through. Um, it's a gamble to put all your sort of eggs in his basket. Um, so I think they'll definitely want an out-and-out number nine proven Premier League experience. A couple of years under his belt. It just means they're probably going to have to pay a premium for him this summer. Certainly one to watch with Ekatike. Um, lots to talk about loans as well. Could Newcastle go into the loan market and free up a bit of cash for for elsewhere? So maybe they could go and sign the uh, the Chelsea striker there, as you mentioned, who was on loan at Southampton, um, or you know another option elsewhere. Do you, is that something you you think they could you could see happening? Yeah, definitely. Look, we've seen it happening. Um, we saw it happen in January where they were spending a lot of money paid a lot of money to bring Bruno in and Target was quite a sensible loan deal. They get the op- obligation to buy in there and it sort of helps with the sort of movement of funds and the financial fair play rather than going out and spending 100 to £150 million on permanent signings this summer. So I could definitely see them dipping into that market. Brogia would be one that fits that bill. There's been interesting for him in, in months. Southampton obviously keep to keep him. West Ham, as I've said, are, are at the front of the queue. Thomas Tuchel said about him in the past that he would always give him and Carl Gallagher um, a pre-season to sort of prove their worth. But I think with the types of players Chelsea have been linked to this summer, I wouldn't be surprised if Brogia got another stint out. And I think he would he would suit Newcastle. He did very, very well um, at Southampton last year, despite you know his age and, and not having much experience. So in, in some ways, I feel like that would be a better deal than Calvert-Lewin. If you're going to get your eyes pulled up for Calvert-Lewin, who's had yeah, injury I'm records... I'm not a fan and, of Calvert-Lewin. And, it, and I think it's a Pope Dubrovka thing. If Calvert-Lewin comes in, does he every day of the week get in that team over Cal Wilson? I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't think so. So, Brogia, he's young, he's hungry, he's already done it in the Premier League for, for a season with Southampton. Very highly rated at Chelsea, you know. Um, as Tuchel said, you know, he will give him some to see if he could even fit in there. It sort of feels like that would be a better deal than Calvert-Lewin for me. And mm. like you say, it, it would be cheaper or they could get it on loan um, to sort of save a bit of cash for January if they need it. It's interesting you do look around and, and when you talk about potential options of players who can hit the ground running up top, players who can really push Cal Wilson, it is difficult to think of, of players like that, isn't it? it it's, uh, there's not many options out there for a decent amount of cash. I mean, we've seen... Uh, Jesus go to Arsenal 45 million is it actually that's not really bad deal I'd be interested to see the wages but I think I mean obviously you know the the, the traction there Arsenal will be fighting at the the top end of the table you would think next season and and, you know Arteta's also got the Man City links so that's maybe a little bit of play there but you look around elsewhere I mean Lukaku's gone to Inter Milan and on an 8 million pound loan deal is it like you know good strikers are going to cost you good money and I think, yeah, the prices are astronomical, but also it's about who's available as well. I mean, with Charleston, £60 million. Pounds. Yeah, it's, a, it's a hefty fee, isn't it? I mean, for me, I think Jesus for £45 million is quite a good deal. I think, you know, there was there was very, very tentative links to Jesus a couple of weeks ago, but fans were very receptive to it. Um, a, f- a couple of people in the comments are saying Bellotti, who's obviously just left Torino, um, for a f- who would be available on a free, probably very high wages. But this is the thing. Jesus going to Arsenal, Richarlison going to Tottenham. These big players are still going to want Champions League football. And yes, it's all very well and good. Botman and Gomez taking the punt and coming to Newcastle. 
but we're talking about Gabby Jesus, who's been winning titles at City, Lukaku winning, you know, everything at Chelsea. These types of big players are still going to want to prefer those big teams, which means Newcastle are sort of looking at the Calvert Lewins and the Projas and and stuff like that. It's a lot easier, I guess, to sell the project or sell the Champions League ambitions when you're joining Arsenal or Spurs as than it is when you're joining Newcastle. Even to an extent, when you're joining a West Ham, it's a lot easier because you're just one level down with Newcastle. As much as we're all excited about what's to come, you know Newcastle are still probably four five seasons away you would think unless everything clicks together from from getting anywhere near the top four 100 percent. i mean look i mean look obviously city and liverpool are a different ball game but they've spent over 100 million this summer and they won the league last year tottenham are spending an astronomical amount of money villa are spending a lot of money west ham are going to strengthen arsenal are making good signings it's all very well and good saying that newcastle are going to bring all these players in and get a top six i just don't think it's going to happen straight away so as you say if you're Arsenal or you're even West Ham, they've been there, they've done it, they've got the qualification. Newcastle, it's a lot of what ifs. This hasn't happened yet. Yes, the future looks very bright, but they haven't had that European football to show. And I think until that happens in a couple of seasons' time, they're always going to be sort of on the back foot when it comes to transfers of that, of that nature. But they've not started too badly at all. Just a, a quick word on how refreshing it is to be sitting here and not being worried about Newcastle losing Alan St. Maxman or losing, you know, their best players because they've now got an ownership who who wants to build te- a team around their best players. You know, we, we look at Leeds and they've gone and sold Calvin Phillips to Manchester City, which seems inevitable. But you know, if if Newcastle hadn't been taken over and within the position they are now, so we we you know we forget about the the. the the transfers in January, but just talk about like Sir Callum Wilson or Alan St. Maxman. A lot of Newcastle fans would be sitting here absolutely petrified that if a big bid comes in, for example, Everton, they've lost Richardson for 60 million. Callum Wilson, yes, was injured, but still scored a bag of goals. Everton come along with a cheeky little bid. Under Mike Ashley, Newcastle fans are going, oh, he's gone. You know, he's gone. He's going to cash in, isn't he? But here, you've got owners who want to build a successful team around their best players. And there's, you feel that if a sale comes, it'll be very much like Keegan and Andy Cole rather than Andy Carroll and under Mike Ashley. Yeah. And I think, look, let's just say we'd somehow managed to pull this Botman deal off under Ashley. It would have never happened, but let's just say that always would have been a stepping stone club. You look at Kabai when he came in, you always thought, look, amazing signing, but he's going to go. Sissoko, you know. Yeah, that's what it was That was what it was called, wasn't that it? That was what Newcastle it was the, the stepping stone to Arsenal or to United um, and I think that that is what look the takeover is going to you know bring this these amazing signings it's going to do wonders for the club but as you say when play, when clubs like Leeds are having to sell Calvin Phillips because they don't have the ability to keep up Newcastle have got the ability to keep Bruno to keep Botman for the long term and as you say we're sat here we're not really worried about St Maximum going because we don't think he will we don't think Callum Wilson's going to go and as you say it's refreshing to finally sit in here and not have those worries after after all those years um, Let's move on then from transfers quick word about the pre-season you mentioned there the Gateshead game behind closed doors then off to Austria for a training camp they'll play 1860 Munich who won the third tier of German football they then play uh, Mains and then they'll go to Benfica, don't they? And then they come back to Tyneside. 
pre-season, it's all about getting fit, isn't it? Good chance for Eddie Howe to see, you know, just how fit his players are. They will be so much fitter than they were last pre-season coming into the new Premier League season. The results don't matter that much. Of course, it is always nice to win, but it is pretty much just all about Eddie Howe seeing exactly what he's got and, and how he can start to build a successful team. Yeah, look, Eddie Howe, on one hand, it's a luxury that he's got so many players to choose from. You know, as we've said, 34 senior players on the books at the minute. Um, he's probably going to use the next three games at least to sort of uh, work out who's got a future and also get some much-needed minutes into the team. As we've said, the Gateshead game on Saturday, which is obviously behind closed doors, that will probably will be a case of you know, 60, 70 minutes and, and he swaps the full 11 each half um, just to give the new sort of signings a run around to give the sort of youngsters a chance to play with the first team. Then you're sort of looking towards the back end of the month when they've got Benfica and the two home games back to back. Um, you think that's when he'd probably put into play, you know, right, who am I going to play on the first game? Is it going to be Pope or Dubravka? Um, Who's going to play in the midfield and stuff like that? So yeah, um Good to see the players back on Friday. A lot of youngsters um, in in the in the training on Friday, which was good to see. As we've mentioned, you know, JT and Cook was there. Uh, Cook was there. Uh, Westendorf was there. Joe White was there. So yeah, and obviously you had the likes of Matty Longstaff and stuff back. So um, it's going to be interesting this month to see, you know, who who gets more of the game time than the others, and whether any of those sort of youngsters can can sort of make their way into the first team and and sort of impress in the next six games. And, I mean, today, Newcastle announced that 18s have signed contracts with Newcastle United, including Spurs youngster Jordan Hackett. Um, interesting, you know, that things have started to move in terms of the youth system, as Dan Ashworth is coming, who's got a fantastic track record in helping developing youth and, and making sure the connections between the first team are there with all ranks to the youth system and um, I mean people seem very impressed by that by that news that Hackett's joined Newcastle yeah I mean look he's obviously released by Tottenham last month um, but Newcastle have seen something in him that they thought was was worth giving a go obviously he came on trial and played in a in a 3-2 win over uh, Rangers B team last month and they've snapped him up um, you know they're also making moves obviously Alex Murphy's set to join later this week from Galway um, they've agreed terms with Charlie MacArthur, so they're really they're pushing the boat out. You know, it's not a case of they're going to bring these youngsters in and they're going to um, just sort of sit in the youth team for a couple of years and eventually get released. You know, they're signing some really, really highly rated youngsters. MacArthur, everybody you speak to in Scotland about him says he's fantastic. Alex Murphy's obviously um, very highly thought of in Ireland. There's been talk about Tyler Dibblin from Southampton. They're going after the best here, and we're, we're talking about the Brunos and the Trippiers and the Botmans, which is all great. But it's fantastic to see that they're also paying as much attention to the uh, the youth additions and making sure that you know. I mean, how many times have we sat here over the last couple of years and the under twenty threes have been, you know, bottom of the league and the under eighteens, you know, are, are bottom of their respective leagues. So it's good to see that the academy's getting sort of the much needed TLC that it needs, and then hopefully, you know, the under twenty threes can start to start a challenge along with the first team. Fingers crossed. And just to finish off there, we've mentioned the games Newcastle will play. It'll be very interesting to see whether we do see this new white and green kit, the third kit that has been released by Newcastle United. Lots of criticism over the colours. They do very much 
um, look like the, the colours of the Saudi Arabian national team. What have you made of the release? The very simple and and um, the, the, you know played the, down. yes played down on, on the on on the website. There was no words of inspiration or no hint at where they've come from. Where's the home kit? I think it was something along the lines of you know inspired by our history or something like that, wasn't it? And that's usually what you do get. Do you think the club have realised the criticism that's out there and gone, okay, we'll just play this as close to the bat as we possibly can? Yeah, I think the only way they could have made it sort of less public is if they would have released it at two o'clock in the morning and not put it on social media because very little was made about it. We obviously had such a big um, fuss made over the home kit and you know whether it was going to be funny eight and Castor's new design, but this kit, for obvious reasons, hasn't been publicised as much. As you say, there's no nod to history or inspiration. Look, it's not a new thing, you know, as people have pointed out when they've been trying to defend it, which I don't really agree with. You know, PSG and Chelsea have done it. Chelsea have had Russian third kits and PSG have had Qatar-themed kits. It is just to appease those back in Saudi Arabia. And luckily, and I'm glad that we'll probably only see it once or twice this season. It's the third kit. It's probably not going to get used that much. I personally, you know, I don't I don't agree with, with them there. Uh, Designing a full kit on it, but look, it's done. They've done it now. Hopefully, it's a one-season thing, as you say, to appease you know the Saudi sponsors and and the backers over there. Um, but I think it's been rightly condemned, you know, in in some circles. But as as we've touched on before, you know, fans shouldn't be shouldn't be um, you know blamed and criticised. But I think from the club's point of view, I think it's a I think it's a it's a risky move.